Hey, this is Sailor. Welcome to another episode of Metal Rock and Whiskey. Well, hello, hello. And we're back. We are back. Yes, we are. Apparently, we're ready to fight. Maybe? (laughs) Who knows? What fucking battle is this if we're not going to fight? Who knows? From week to week, who knows what we're going to do? That's what's great about the show. Or will we agree? We don't know what the hell we're doing. Exactly. Yeah. We don't know what we're doing. We're back for part two of our Queensryche episode. And uh, this is the part where we battle. Um, We talked about the band last week. We talked about um, me seeing them live and thinking they were amazing live. We kind of talked a little bit about their backstory. But uh, this week we're going to dive into two albums um, and uh, we're going to battle them out and see who the winner is. Um, Or I should say which album the winner is, but really it's me being the winner. Um, No, the listeners are the winner. (laughs) The listeners are the winner every week. Are they really? Yes, they are. Of course they are. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Ed, what albums are we battling tonight? All right. As I said last week, we are battling 1988's Operation Mind Crime against 1990's Empire, two of their most successful albums. But before that, something else has to happen. Yes. It does. This is where all the whiskey nerds go nuts. You can hear the crowd cheering in the stands. Yes. The hair stands up. The hair stands up on their arms or wherever they have hair. Ew. It stands up. Wherever it is, it stands up. They get excited. This is where the metal people tune out for 10 minutes or so and the whiskey people tune in. They better not, right? Called education, my friends. It is education. This is where we this is where we bring everyone together into one. Right. Yes. That's so, because I mean, if you're li- if you're listening to metal, you should be listening. You should be drinking whiskey. God Let's damn just be right. Real. Kind of goes without yes. saying. I mean, for real. I mean, we've been doing this for what three, almost three years, two and a half yeah. years, three what years. What are you doing yeah. here? No, just kidding. Yes. Can, what are you listening? What are what are we doing here? What That's are we doing case. here? I don't even yes. know what I'm doing here. For real. Who are so, you people? Where am I? You should I? be drinking whiskey. And whatever we say is gospel. Let's <laughs> do it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Matt's all fired up tonight. And wow. I, I'm super fired. I'm in a great oh, mood. I am God. super fired up oh, boy. for this for this battle. Um, but we have to go around the horn. As always, we drink whiskey. We drink some form of brown spirit on the show. Sometimes we mix in like a white claw or whatever the fuck that is. <laughs> you know, it's sometimes feeling particularly feisty. Or white wine. Didn't <laughs> or, I do a shitty a, white wine once? Or a white wine, yes. For, uh, or a fire it, or a fireball. Yeah. You did fireball, right? Yeah. Who did fire? Yeah. That's a special uh, that's a special episode. I mean, Weird Al's a special guy. I was gonna he say, yeah. He the special yeah. whiskey. Yes. Yeah, he did. Definitely. But uh, this is where we go around the horn, talk about what we're drinking whiskey-wise. We talk about the whiskey world. So who wants to start? I'll start. Oh. I'll start. Sailor. Because again, go ahead. 
again, again, it's going to be really freaking easy. Uh, I'm dry. So uh, that sounds really bad, actually. I'm not drinking. <laughs> How dry I am. <laughs> so gross. Actually, that's a good one. Ed. Um, wow, all the young Jesus kids Christ. are like, what? Um, you can find that song. It's like, there's a cream like that. for that. It's like, oh, I just, I just remember that from um, the cartoons. The, the cartoon from like Tom and Jerry. Looney like, there was wasn't it Looney like Tunes? How dry. One of them. It yeah, was like right. in they were, yeah. when uh, when in kids' cartoons you could have drunk characters. Um. Yeah. Can you imagine? <laughs> like when you're five years old and you're watching a cartoon about someone with that's an alcoholic i don't know amazing so uh, now that all of our 40 and under listeners have tuned <laughs> out yes <laughs> Kidding. i'm not drinking this month because i decided to do a dry february instead of a dry january so we're two weeks uh, in we're, we're, we're halfway through people we're halfway that's through. smart of you to pick a short the shortest month out of the year yes no it, one though. said i was a dummy <laughs> <laughs> touche uh yeah i think it's good it's really good um you'll you'll hear this mostly from people in the industry um i have a hard time often you know i'll be in situations where it's expected that i drink and have a cocktail and have a have a dram with people especially when it's events and things like that so it can be really challenging during the holiday period especially um, to say, oh, no, you know, I'm, I'm just having a club soda tonight. But um, I, I like to do this check every once in a while to make sure I can actually stop drinking because that's an important check to have on yourself. It really is. Make sure it the is. off switch functions. Yeah. Yes. It scares me. You know, like I love what I do. I love that the spirits industry, um, but it, it is a serious thing, you know. It shouldn't, it shouldn't scare you. I don't think scared is the right word. I think that... You should just yes, be cognizant is. of it, not scared of it. Cognizant is, the, is a, I think, the right word. You should just be aware of it. I don't know. For me, I'm scared of it because I had a bunch of alcoholics in my family and somehow. Well, it, it can be hereditary. Yes. Right. Yeah. But, I didn't. Yeah. I'm not an alcoholic, but I, I like to do that check every now and then because I like some booze. So it's a good time to do it. <laughs> And enough of that shit. Yes. What the hell are you drinking tonight? Okay. So for tonight, um, we have talked about this in the past. I think, uh, Sailor, you even had it as a whiskey pairing at one point. But I am drinking. I finally got my hands on a bottle of Blackened. Um, yes. Yeah. Blended whiskeys. Uh, one of the, the last projects of the late, great Dave Pickerel. Um, this was the whiskey that um, had the marketing power of has the marketing power of Metallica behind it, and it is a the bottle says it's a blend of straight whiskeys finished in black brandy casks, and I believe this is also subjected to uh, music by Metallica to yes. sonically vibrate the barrels, the sonic and agitate them. Yes. And hopefully, you know, get a little more of that char action going on in there. So, yeah, that's what I'm drinking. Um, it's I'm enjoying it. I don't usually like to drink um, 
or judge a whiskey immediately after I open it. I mean, I will, but that's usually, I usually reserve my final judgment till after it's been open for a while and I've had a chance to drink it a couple of times because mm-hmm. we've said this before. It, it's hard to judge a whiskey the first time you have it oh, yeah. because there are so many different factors that can affect the way you taste it, what you've eaten, how long the bottle's been open, et cetera, et cetera. It goes on. So immediate impressions are good, but I think it can be better and I think it will be better. I just have to give it a little more time. I am in love with that bourbon. So um, I will be curious to see how you feel about it on your next couple of sips, because I think it's phenomenal. Um, and I'm not, you know, I, a Dave Pickerel was one, wonderful and awesome. And I'm not just someone that's like, anything he does is amazing. There are certain things that I was not a huge fan of, but I happen to be a big fan of the flavor of Blackened. So and I, I think of all. Yeah, and I think of all the people that they could have worked with, I think they picked the right guy. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I, yeah. I'm I'm sure they could have you know, they could have picked anybody considering their prestige. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and they decided to work with him, who is you know, the closest thing to a rock star in the whiskey world. I mean, I, as far as I'm concerned, um, and I, th- I think it was a marriage made in heaven. Well, they or, said that or hell. They- Yes. <laughs> they said that they wanted that when they, you know, were interested in this project and when they began discussing it, they realized Dave Pickerel was kind of like the Metallica of the whiskey business. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's kind of where they felt the synergy yeah. was. And Rock he was star. Just, yeah. Yeah. And he was just so excited and passionate about what he did. And so, you know, that's that was really um that was really impression, you know, made a great impression for them. And he was also a guy who has been in the game for a long time, like Metallica, who was looking for new ventures, trying to trying to um, find new ways to reinvent their sound, their whatever. So I think he kind of I think they were a match made very well. So mm-hmm. I agree. Great stuff. I agree. Agree. Yep. yep. Love it. Well, what are, you, what are you drinking, Matt? Yeah. Oh, well, you know, I've been in retail for a very long time, a lot longer than I'd like to admit in this business. And I would admit at one time I was one of those guys who would know when something was coming in, when it was coming off the truck and would say, hey, I'm going to put a bottle of that aside for myself because I can, because I work here and because I should, should have first say in that. Um, <laughs> now it's, it's true. It's true. And I think anybody who works for a smaller place that might get stuff like that would do the same thing who, who has some kind of pull with wherever they're working. But, you know, now that I'm working for a, a much larger, um, you know, countrywide corporate entity, you know, that's not an option anymore. So I have to adhere to corporate guidelines as far as buying things that might come in that catch my fancy and you know customer regular customer who comes in and spends a lot of money has the first say in it but i was lucky enough to acquire a bottle of heaven hill seven year bottle and bond nice which happened to come in our door which i happened to send to my lovely co-hosts here as well Mm -hmm. which they should be getting very soon uh this stuff is for $41, what we paid in Florida. I don't know what you guys would pay where you guys are. 
but um man it's like it reminds me a lot of Henry McKenna tenure. It, it's like butter. It's buttered popcorn in a glass. Oh yeah. It's so good and approachable and, you know, bottle and bond. I, I had the opportunity to work with a, a few customers in my store and really explain to them in depth what bottle and bond meant. Cause there were new bourbon drinkers and they had been seeing the term, a lot lately and they had been hearing good things about the term and why you should buy it and reviews on certain bottles. And I really went in depth with them about it. And at the end of the whole thing, they pretty much bought everything bottle in the bond that we had to offer, including this bottle. And they, they thanked me and they said, thank you for the education. Thank you for letting us know, you know, what this means and how it kind of separates itself from everything else. And, you know, there's a certain taste and quality to something that has bottle and bond on the label. It's fantastic. And this is just another example of that quality and that taste that I get throughout a lot of these expressions that have that designation. And I can't say how enough, how fantastic it is, you know, whether you're talking OGD or McKenna or, you know, New Riff, which we just discussed a few weeks ago, stuff's fantastic, fantastic. And it's, it's something that everyone should know about and the history of it. Everyone should know, uh, do their homework on and, um, just great stuff. So the million dollar question in my mind anyway, yes, is how does this compare to what it replaced and to the view the listeners who don't know it replaced a six-year bottled and bond which sold for approximately oh i don't know maybe what a quarter of the price maybe slightly more than a quarter of the price so i can't say personally obviously i have not had the other one but i was lucky okay. enough to, i was lucky enough hold on to have talked to a couple people who have had the other one and they say this one is bet better than that one. Okay. Well, I would that's hope That's what so. I've heard as well. So, that's and that's two I've people, that's two people from Kentucky. So, I yeah, mean, that, that's what I heard. Yeah. Also. Yes. I, I would believe it. Totally. I mean, you're talking a big price discrep- discrepancy too, because the other one is a third of the price. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, that's why I wanted to know is because, you know, that that one year difference and then the, you know, at least tripling of the price, if it really um, was worth it. So but it sounds pretty good, though. I mean, it's worth under 50 bucks. It's worth it. Okay. Good, good. Yes. All right. I can't wait to to get that sample and try it out. Yes. (laughs) Love it. Well, let's see. We've talked about the whiskey. We've talked about not being an alcoholic. Uh, We talked a little bit about last week. So shall we do this? I believe we have an album battle to discuss. Let's do it. And I raise my head and stare into the eyes of Right. 
let's begin the battle with our first album that we're going to discuss, which is Operation Mind Crime. It was uh, originally released May 3rd of 1988. And um, it it was billed as a concept album, um, and they kind of called it a rock opera. And it's the story of Nikki, who's a recovering drug addict who becomes disillusioned with the corrupt society of his time. And then apparently reluctantly becomes involved with a revolutionary group. And um, that group assassinates political leaders. So super light, light theme here. Um, Mm -hmm. It was, it was very well received when it came out and it has gone, it has continued throughout time to garner a lot of respect from music press. Um, It, uh, is in the in Kerrang! magazine's 100 greatest heavy metal albums of all time. Um, it's been certified gold. Um, gold. It was certified gold and platinum um, and was re-released in 2006. So, I mean, really important album in the history of American heavy metal, in my opinion. Um, uh, let's just real quick, we should probably talk about... Um, the uh, people who were involved in this album since um, uh, some of the band members have changed. So you had Jeff Tate, who was the original vocalist, and uh, he also was uh, one of the main writers of this so of this album. So um, you have Jeff Tate, uh, lead vocals, keyboards, and then it's listed as whistles and blurbs. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Whatever that means. <laughs> Chris DeGarmo, uh, sorry, Chris DeGarmo, I can't fucking speak anymore. Guitar, uh, Michael Wilton, guitar, Eddie Jackson on bass, and Scott Rockenfield, drums, percussion, and a little bit of keyboard. Um, and there was some cast members, because like we said, this is a rock opera. Uh, you've got Pamela Moore was Sister Mary. Anthony Valentine was Dr. X. Uh, <laughs> Debbie Wheeler was the nurse. Mike Snyder was the anchorman. And Scott Matter, Matir, I don't know, was Father William. And then um, the choir was, do you, do you guys know what the choir was called in this album? <laughs> I have no idea. Oh, I do. The Moronic Monks of Morin Heights. <laughs> All right. So there you go. The moronic monks. So one thing I did notice was that it seems like um, Motley Crue borrowed a little bit of a clip. Oh, you from think? this album in their uh, Dr. Feelgood. Yeah, so the, um, the umlaut wasn't it? That wasn't the only <laughs> no, thing that, The umlaut wasn't the only thing they stole from Queensryche. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, all right. Who wants to go first? I'll go. Since go. I, I owned this album, I bought it back in the day. This was my introduction to Queensryche um, as a teenager, 18-year-old Ed. Um, but I think I didn't really appreciate this album back then as much as I do now. I bought it for the hits. Um, basically, you know, Operation Mind Crime, Eyes of a Stranger. Um, what was another big one that? I don't believe in love. How could I forget that one? 
those are like the big hits off this album. Mm-hmm. And I think I may have listened to it through back then, but mostly I would just call up the big songs and listen to them. But going back to it now and listening to it, I'm like, holy crap. This is a, this album is freaking amazing. It's like, it's a story. And, and I had never heard it called a rock opera. I just came up with something like, man, this is a freaking rock opera is what Mm -hmm. it is. And then I go back and I'm reading about it. And sure enough, yeah, that, that was it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just so well done. And this is one of those albums that just begs to be listened to from beginning to end. It just takes you on a journey on a ride, um, through this whole story. Mm-hmm. And it, it's all cohesive. And the, can, can you have a better closing song than eyes of a stranger? I mean, come on this, the, the album, it opens up strong, amazing. And then we get eyes of a stranger to close it out. It, I mean, I was just blown away, even though I had heard most of this album before listening to it with new ears, I was just mesmerized by it. And I've listened to it several times in the past few weeks. Okay, Matthew. (laughs) Okay. Let me take a deep breath. Oh boy. So Sailor is going to love me and hate me for this. Oh, fuck. <laughs> so, this is a beast. This is a beast of an album. It's over an hour. It's a concept album. It should be long. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's not The Wall. Very different. But, I mean, you're comparing it to the greatest concept album of all time. It is not. It is not. Okay. Oh boy. I gotta tell you, they were bold. They were bold for the time and the genre to do an album like this because nobody was going to do an album like this. And they did it. And that takes balls, 1988. And what they were doing, nobody was doing that. But what I will say also is that I love me a great concept album. And the thing that makes a great concept album is when it's made and released in the time of whatever they're talking about. So they're 1988. Okay, so this is about a guy who doesn't really know he's an assassin who's assassinating people, right? We're at the end of the Cold War. It kind of fits into what's going on. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to draw a comparison and this is where it's going to make Sailor very mad. So a more modern concept album is American Idiot by Green Day. What the fuck? It fits into the same type of time, time now genre where they are making an album about a concept that is happening at that time that will resonate with everybody. And I think that's the reason why this is their most successful album at to date anyway. So 
I know you're going to hate me for saying that, but I mean, as far as concept goes and as far as material goes, it's kind of the same thing of what's going on at the time this album was released. Musically, I'm torn here because there's so much good music here, but at the same time, at the same time, there is that old thing that kind of haunts me when we're talking about bands like this. Formulaic, sort of very similar songs as we go along in the album. There's enough difference here to keep me very interested from song to song. And the fact that they had the balls to do a concept album in 1988 in this genre, when there are a lot of bands that are out there kicking ass in the same genre who aren't doing this kind of album, I have to give them credit for that because they kind of stand out with this. Oh, yeah. But when it's a a rock opera, you have to see it as almost one continuous, it's one continuous story. So I don't think it's fair to, you're not going to get like, I don't know, like a bunch of diversity. You're just going to get, you have to kind of see it as one whole no, thread. B- but what I'm saying is that there is diversity in this album with even with within the concept of what they're doing and the story they're telling. There's a lot of, there's a lot of different songs here. There's a lot of different things that I can kind of grasp on that keep me interested from song one to song 15 here. Mm-hmm. So that being said, what they did at the time they did it with the subject matter. Fantastic. Big chance. Obviously I think they needed to take a big chance at this time. Their first two releases weren't grabbing people as I think they thought they would. So I think this was a great gamble and it worked out for them. Fantastic stuff here. You know what I found myself wanting? I just pictured this in my mind picture, if you will, this album as a, a movie. I'm talking like Frank Miller, Sin City style. Yes. Uh, yeah. Film yeah, noir totally, totally. type movie. Yeah. Oh my God. Would that yeah. be amazing? Or well, what? that's why the wall Fantastic. got a movie. That's why the wall got a movie too. I mean, you, you, it, the action, this is, it's, why am I searching for my words? So it's been compared to this album by a lot of music press saying that this album deserves to stand alongside the Who's Quadrophenia and Pink Floyd's The Dark Side of the Moon, which I totally mm-hmm. agree. Because you're Matt, you're you hit the nail on the head when you say that at this time for them to do this, which was could have been seen as like an old thing to do. Oh yeah, they were doing that in the 70s, but nobody's mm-hmm. doing that shit anymore. I, I think was was a, a, a hell of a risk. And I, in my opinion, they totally pulled it off. Um, and, you know, they went to Grammy. Yeah, but, but please, please realize my comparison with American Idiots. Like, I'm not trying to like pull like purposely say that to just get get a rise out of you. But I think that as far as politically goes, I think there's enough of a tie there to tie the two albums together, because I think of what was going on at the same time when Green Day did American Idiot. And it kind of drew a lot of ears and eyes to that as well. Well, if you're talking about subject matter, I would agree. Subject matter, yes. Yeah, musicality and all of that, hell no. But okay, subject matter. Everything else aside, but subject matter, yes. And timing of the subject matter, sure. I I will a thousand percent um, agree with you there. Yes. Um, it, it, It was interesting, the reception that this got, because... And, and that's from the listeners is that um, I don't know that the listeners recognized immediately 
the young listeners, I should say, that this was a rock opera concept album. Case in point, right here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think it. I, I remember hearing this album, and someone was like, "Oh yeah, man, this is like a whole story." I don't think they knew how to articulate, or we were too stoned to articulate. Yeah. What you know? And I was like, <laughs> "What do you mean it's a whole story?" And he literally goes, "You know, like Pink Floyd." And I was like. Oh, really? And that's when I went out and grabbed it. Like I heard a few songs and I was like, yeah, this is cool. And like I said before last week, I wasn't like, you know, a major fan. Um, but I went out and got the album because I thought, oh, I love shit like that. I used to love to put on my headphones in my room and just you just go into the music. You can shut everything mm-hmm. else out, especially if it takes you on a journey, you know. Um, yep. So they I mean, for me, like, this is a hell of a thing to do. Um, you know, I think we've already agreed that the the musicianship of these gentlemen, um, in, fucking incredible. They're incredible musicians, great writers. Um, and uh, even on the fuckers at Rolling Stone uh, gave this album a thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Show pieces of shit um we we hate them i mean i know real yeah so by the way operation mind crime 2 um you know who did dr x on that here's a little bit of trivia anybody know nope it would be ronnie james dio really r.i.p yeah he became he was he was uh he was dr x and um yeah so i i think this album is to be i agree this should be up there um in the the, this is like a hall of fame album for metal in my opinion for sure Mm -hmm. so um i think we're all pretty much in agreement so far yeah i don't think we're disagreeing yet are we i think i think we're all pretty much on the same page with this one yeah Yes. Yes. It sounds like we are. Yeah. I think it's a very good album. Okay. Um, who wants to start with the next one? Matt, you want to go? No. 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 Okay. Well, fine. I'll I'll continue my words for this pattern here. Well, Empire, um, I'm surprised I didn't buy own this album. Um, The song that that stands out the most to me because I mean it was in heavy rotation on MTV back in the day with Silent Lucidity, Mm -hmm. Um, and that song. I feel like calling it a, a rock ballad is almost trite. It almost like it doesn't do justice to this song because I hope it's not hyperbole, but this is like the pinnacle of the, the rock ballad back in, in that era. I mean, I think it was it's fantastic. And again, this is the first time... I've gone through and listened to this whole album from beginning to end, and it is extremely well-produced, well-polished. The musicianship is fantastic. And the opener, Best I Can, 
is has be I think is one of the best songs on the album too. It, for a song I never heard, I was blown away. Um, the more I listened to it, the more I liked it. Um, of course, you have Jet City Woman was another one of the big hits mm-hmm. off this album. Empire, another rainy night, big one. The Thin Line, I think that one was another minor hit. Um, I it sounded very familiar to me, like I'd heard it before. But uh, yeah, this is another album that I can I can listen to happily from from beginning to end, and I was very surprise now this is any this is this is more of a traditional album this is not a concept album at all but for for your standard traditional album i think they just they knocked it out of the park with this one too well um and i think i'm gonna have to agree with you um you know i think this album may not now right now get the same level of respect as mind crime mm-hmm. um oh and i i'm sorry there was one key, i'm sorry i don't want to interrupt you but there's one more key point i wanted to say um i think this is an album that really hold it holds up well too because a lot of these albums from the top back in the day they seem a little dated that it's like yeah I can understand why they liked it back in the day, but now it's like, I don't know. But yeah, I I think it really holds up. I agree with you. I think that the the problem that you have is that several of these songs went mainstream off of this album, Mm -hmm. especially Silent Lucidity. Um, Who doesn't know that song that, that was alive then and is alive now? Who, you know, most people know that song. Um, and Jet City Woman, you may not know that you, you may hear it on the radio and, oh, God, that's Queensryche. Oh, I know that song. Uh, so you have to take that out, I think, of take that out of the mix. Take the knowing, um, the mainstream success of some of these songs and listen to it again. And listen to it, in my opinion, from track one to 11. Boom. Not a concept album, but this was definitely an album that was organized the way the track listing was done exactly how they wanted it to be. It was very intentional. Um, mm-hmm. The I think they were more cohesive as a band for this album. And I think this is just, this was their peak to me. This is when they peaked as this lineup, let's say. Uh I think, you know, Jet City Woman, again, super popular song, but fucking great song. When I heard it live in December, that and Silent Lucidity, it wasn't annoying. It was, it was, it gave us a moment to really appreciate these songs that you've heard on the radio over and over and just go, fuck, yeah, these are actually really, really great songs. No wonder they were, they got so, so popular and and garnered so much radio play because they're great songs and you really get to appreciate that live. Um, The Thin Line, I think, is such a phenomenal song. Empire, of course. Um, Anybody listening, I think, is it's, you know, set. It's almost eight minutes long. Such a killer song. Um, Best I Can. I, I can't find a song on this album that I don't like. Um, and again, this album, uh, that was released, um, in 1990, August of 1990, immediately hit the charts. 
um, was super, super popular right away, garnered major radio play um, right away as well. Um, Another uh, award-winning album. Um, This was also uh, re-released. It got the number seven position on the Billboard 200 USA, which I find like that's incredible. As for back then, that's just phenomenal. Um, it's gone three times platinum uh, in 1994. I mean, this is to me, this is a hell of an album. I think that Jeff really found his voice at this point. I think that um, you know, Chris DeGarmo, if you look at the types of guitars that he played on this album um, and Michael Wilton, I should say, um, I think everyone really found their, found their voice in their instrument or for Jeff, you know, found his voice. And like, I I think it's just, they had gelled together at this point. They had um, found their sound. And I really think that's what you're hearing in this song. So um, I I cannot find anything wrong with this album. So that's my take. Matthew. (laughs) Breathe. Take a deep breath. (laughs) Do your yoga breathing. Now, this is what I'm really curious to hear about someone who is from a younger generation's yes. their perspective yeah. on this yeah. album. I can't wait to hear this. So I can only draw the analogy to going to my grandmother's house and Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is the quintessential feast. You get everything you want. It's picture perfect. A plus everything, turkey, gravy, dessert everything is fantastic you weren't expecting much but everything was a plus christmas comes christmas comes around hold on christmas after thanksgiving get the presents you want you're a good boy santa delivers again okay doing good okay dessert on Christmas Day, and you're expecting fucking cookies, right? Who doesn't want cookies on fucking Christmas Day? Okay? You're expecting, you know, the Christmas trees and candy canes and all the different shapes and sizes that Christmas cookies have to offer. But what do you get on Christmas Day at Grandma's house? After you've been a good boy all year, you get the same shape in every cookie. You get a candy cane. You get an elf. You get a Christmas tree. All the cookies are the same. You don't get any fucking different shapes. That's what I feel about this album. Every song sounds exactly the fucking same. What? What the fuck are you talking about? Are you kidding me? What album are you listening to? I got to song number six, which is the title track on this album, and I didn't go any further. What? That is I didn't even get to the hit song, which is number eight for some reason on this album. They put the hit song at number eight on this well, album. Well, they didn't know it was going to be a hit song. I just Dude, said that. I'm telling you, th- there's no comparison between these two albums. I'm okay, sorry. First of all, are you telling me you didn't listen to the whole album? 
Uh, no, I did. Begrudgingly, I did. Was I listen? I was there listening to it. It was playing in my ear. Did I actually pay attention to the second half of the album? Probably not. But it was playing, yes. But, I mean, that's how I feel about this. The It's not even a contest. Okay. Um, Sorry. So you're... <laughs> but it's true. Okay, I'm just going to ask a few questions. So yeah. you don't understand how any, you know, these three major hit songs still receive radio airplay? No, I can kind of understand that. But um, it's just not for me because I feel like what they did with the concept album in 88 was the peak of what they did. And that was so far and away better than what they did in 1990. It's like how I, I understand it's tough to follow what they did with that album. But at the same time, it's like, I don't know. I just, I lost interest four or five songs into this album. Okay. So honestly, like I, it did not receive critical. It did not receive the, the critics didn't like this album, but the listeners sure fucking did. And okay. still do. Um, so I'm just saying, like, the critics would agree with you and did agree with you um, when, you know, reviewing and talking about this album. I just think that it's a different, to me, it's a different point in time for this band. So if I have to choose between these two albums, I find it very, very, very difficult mm-hmm. because I appreciate these two albums as almost as if they were different bands. They're very different. Very, very different. They're so different. And I think that was the interesting challenge. And we chose this. We chose these two albums and I thought they would be really, really interesting because here you take one of their most celebrated albums and then against their most popular album. And that's why we chose these two albums. And so it's it's very difficult for me to say which album I think is the best album. Um, I think if I'm going to go from a nerdy music standpoint, I'm not going to choose Empire. I think if I'm going to go for an album that I think they are the best as a band together on it's definitely this fucking album definitely so yeah i take a a similar perspective as you sailor i think that empire represents probably the pinnacle of their musicianship yeah and the production is and the performance is just top notch across the board for for this whole album but there's just something about um operation mind crime it's that that little x that extra everything on that album is extra you've got the cohesiveness of the story you've got the illustrations of each song contributing to the whole and i think that for me that's what puts that over the top for me um both great albums and and it kills me to have to pick one over the other but um in my opinion that um 
the the success of completing the concept of that uh, op that album Operation Mindcrime. The fact that they could pull it off, I guess that's what I'm saying. Pull it off as well as they did, just puts it over the top for me, and that would be what I would go with. Say the best album. And I I think I completely I completely agree with you, Ed. That as difficult of a choice as it is for me, I have to say that I'm not going to go with Empire because basically for all the reasons you just said that I'm not going to duplicate. Um, it does not make me feel any less about Empire. Um, I also have memories connected to that album and that definitely can skew, that skews my opinion and excuse which way I'm going to lean because I have all these emotional memories connected to a lot of these songs on Empire um, and I listened to Empire more than I listened to Operation Mindcrime because I had become a fan by then. But if I'm looking, if I'm really going to separate myself from, which is hard to do with music, and look at these total albums separate from each other, I have to agree that I would go with Operation Mindcrime. The originality, the balls it took to do something like that at that time. I mean, you can't discount that. So, I mean, bravo, bravo to them for doing that because I think it was. It was incredible. It, it separated them from everybody else. Sure. And to, to doing be. Everything. Yeah. Can you imagine making something that people say this belongs up against anything that Pink Floyd ever did? <laughs> you know, forget mm-hmm. fucking Dark Side of the Moon, which is the best thing they've ever done. I mean, my God, you know, that's that's that's. Geez. That's incredible. But it's 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 not Dark Side of the Moon. It's not The Wall. But I mean, at the time they did it, it was equivalent to the impact that these other albums had at the same time. So, I mean, you're talking 88. You're not talking 78. Yeah, I'm not saying or, yeah. it's as good as those. But I think yeah. metalheads from the 80s would say that. You know, I think if you... If you take them in their own time, I agree and with that. Yes, genre, in '88. Yes, yeah. yeah. In their and it, and it's a different genre. You know, we're different yes. genre, yes. different time. I and think, that's yeah. why I respect them because they had the balls to do that when no one else, none of their other contemporaries, had the same imagination to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and if you if you enjoy albums of this particular ilk, I suggest there is another more little slightly more contemporary album actually more than slightly very more contemporary version of this there's another band out there another metal band who had uh the idea to try to do the same kind of thing um in 2013 black veil brides put out an album called wretched and divine the story of the wild ones it's a very similar idea um i actually purchased the cd i thought it was fantastic and I suggest that you check it out if you're a fan of this style of album. Agreed. Well, I mean, that wasn't as bloody of a battle as I thought it was going to be. No, we we, it sounds like we have a clear game. winner. We, we have a clear winner. Operation Mindcrime. It's Operation Mindcrime. Not Grandma's Dale Cookies. Jesus Christ. Yes, <laughs> not Grandma's sale cookies which apparently makes matt really fucking mad (laughs) 
So there you have it. Different shapes. There you have it, friends. Uh, If you're not already a fan, like I said last week, go and listen to them. If you ever get a chance to see them live, I definitely, even if you're not a huge fan, if you like live music, you're really going to enjoy this band. Go out and see them. And uh, that's it for this week. We will see you next week and we'll be talking about something. I don't know what yet, but we'll figure it out by the time next week comes. There you have it. (laughs) When is next week? I don't even know. I don't either. (laughs) Who knows? Time stands still on the show. We have no idea. Anyway, thanks for sticking around, listeners. We hope you enjoyed that discussion as much as we did. As always, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Metal Rock Whiskey. And we also have a super cool Facebook group. Yeah, we do. <laughs> at Spirit of Rock Let us know what you think. Yes, please. <laughs> We're still asking people to join. Ask us to join. Come enjoy the conversations, the polls, everything we have to offer. Come and do it. But follow us individually on Instagram. You can find me. At the whiskey possessor, that is whiskey save the e e e e e. You can find me a sailor retro all over the internet, and I'm glad we didn't say this in sexy voices again because that was dumb. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and they can always find me on Instagram at Bourbon Geek. <laughs> and hey, listeners, if you love us or even just like us, please hit that subscribe button. Give us a review because it really does matter to us. And of course, tune in next week where we will be back again for another episode of Metal Rock and Whiskey. Yeah. Fuck you, Lars. Later, everyone. And them cookies. (laughs) Fuck stale cookies, Grandma. Hey, this is Sailor, and you're listening to a Spirit of Rock podcast network show. Find this show and many others at www.spiritofrockpods.com.